chapter 18, mm, might have church today, ah. can you say amen, I said can you say amen, can you say hallelujah, all right, all right, all right, and, uh, and one more, Romans. Cause more revivals than any other book in Scripture, the book of Romans. Find chapter 15. We're going to get after it today. We're in the midst of uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Got through uh, just the first week. How many of you are still alive? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you're, if you're not participating with us in that, it's not too late. Go ahead, jump on board. We're going for 21 days. We do this every single year. 21 days of prayer and fasting right in January. We're believing for tremendous breakthrough. In fact, we've uh, printed a letter, and it'll be at the iDesk, if we could make sure that that's there. So on your way out, we want to be sure that we're in agreement. Everybody say, in agreement. Because there's power in agreement. So you make sure you pick up one of those letters. And, uh, and you can know what we're praying and believing God for, at least on a corporate level. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for what You're doing in our midst. I pray tonight, right now, this morning, this afternoon, right now, all day long, that You would release a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That we would be changed. We've come to hear from you, hear from your word, to worship you, to minister to you, to minister to other people. But now, God, we we tune our hearts towards you. May we hear what you say to us. May our hearts be activated, not just a head knowledge, Lord. Truth that brings transformation. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There are notes that are being passed around. Glory to God. There's a very unusual story found in Genesis 11. And it's a story about the Tower of Babel. Now, the flood had taken place. And if you want to, you can turn there. Genesis 11. We're going to look at verse 6 in just a moment. The, the, the flood had taken place. And they, they get together to make this tower or the Tower of Babel. And some think that they made the tower to escape the next flood. That that is not why they made the tower. They made the tower basically to go into the heavens. And we read that, we think, well, that would be a really high tower. Really, the point of it was to enter into the heavenlies. And many believe that that Tower of Babel was a place where demonic rites would happen, where man would commune with demon power to try to, well, to try to get power. And the Lord says in Genesis 11, verse 6, And the Lord said, 
If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan will be impossible for them. Wow! That's a heavy-duty statement from the Lord. Here's a bunch of people who were pagans. They don't love God. They're not living for God. But they're united. They're in agreement. Everybody say, there's power. Say it again. There's power in agreement. And it is crucial in this hour, in this day, to get in agreement with God. To get in agreement with each other. There's things that you should be in agreement with and things that you shouldn't be in agreement with. It's fascinating to me, thinking about Genesis 11, that God came and confused their language to break the agreement. But it was in an upper room. Thousands of years later, where 120 men were gathered, waiting for the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. And they were in one accord. Everybody say one accord. They were in one accord. They were in agreement. And what seemed like tongues of fire came and, and, and alighted on their heads. And they all spoke in this new language. It's a prayer language and then there's actual languages. Well, they were speaking actual languages, but they were declaring the wonders of God, if you read Acts chapter 2. And they, they got in this new language agreement, which is kind of fascinating that God would destroy the unity of their language in, in Genesis 11, but unite them as the church in the language of the Spirit. I want to talk to you about the power of agreement. Again, there's power of agreement can be for good or for evil. Fill in your notes. It can be for good or for evil. There's things that we cannot be in agreement with. And there's things that we must be in agreement with. There are things that we absolutely, positively should not be in agreement. Like abortion, how many of you know we should not be in agreement with abortion? There are things that we should absolutely be in agreement with and things that are evil and things that are good. And as a Christian, we must not be in agreement with the world. Everybody say the world. Well, what does that mean? It means the system of the world. It doesn't mean the people in the world. It doesn't mean nations and peoples. It means the system of the world. 1 John 2 verse 15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. James says that friendship with the world is, at, is enmity with God. That literally, if you're a friend with the world system, that you're an enemy of God. That's what James says. Wow. The point is, not how close you can get to the world and still love Jesus. It's how close can you get to Jesus. Don't be agreement. The second thing you don't want to be in agreement with, the world is the first one. The second one is don't be in agreement with false doctrine. Well, hallelujah. You're like, false what? False doctrine. Don't be in agreement with, the, with lies that are, that are pervaded by people. False teachers. There's lots of lies that the enemy wants you to swallow. And if you swallow them, you'll end up being deceived. Many roads lead to heaven. Where is that from? There's people that purvey lies that Satan and Jesus are brothers. Satan and Jesus are not brothers. There's people that declare all kinds of rubbish, and if you end up 
bringing those into your belief, in, into your heart and believing on them, you will find yourself astray. Let me say this. What you believe is the way that you act. The way that you act is what you believe. You can't separate the two. My daughter's reading the power, the, uh, the uh, power of positive thinking, I think it's called, or the power of a, a battle, the battlefield of the mind by Joyce Myers. That's it, in the, in the, in the teenage version. And she said, hey, Dad, I just read this cool thing. I said, well, what is it? She said, you can't have a positive life without a positive thoughts. I thought, ooh, how many of you know that's true? There are things and thoughts that you should not be in agreement with. There is false doctrine. There is a world system. You should not be in agreement with those things. You should not be in agreement with unbelievers. Oh, snap, I'm going to get myself in trouble this morning, but I'm looking forward to it. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, we're to love unbelievers. Jesus ate with sinners and publicans. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. Turn to 2 Corinthians 6. However, there is everything wrong with yoking with them. There's everything wrong with partnering with somebody who doesn't believe that the Lord Jesus died on a cross, rose again from the grave, doesn't believe in the Word, doesn't believe the way that you do. Doesn't believe the truth, I should say. Come on, the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you're not knowing the truth, how many of you know you probably aren't completely free? The degree of, the degree of freedom that you have is really the degree of truth that you know. All right, some of you might get that on the way home. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Quote, What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God, now that's heavy, and idols? Question mark. What did he just call you? Okay, I'm going to go over here. What agreement can there be with the temple of God? He's talking about believers. He's basically declaring that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he says it in other places. And he says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers because it's like bringing the temple of God to to an idol-worshipping place. I mean, that's heavy duty. But throughout our lives, I I, I don't know, I've done it. I don't do it anymore because I've learned some painful experiences. Pain is a great teacher. I don't like pain, but pain can wake you up. And some of you are experiencing financial difficulty. Some of you are experiencing business pain because you yoked with somebody who does not believe in tithing, does not believe in God, does not, oh, but they are business savvy. You got greedy, perhaps. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you fell into it. They have business savvy, so I want to get together with them, yoke with them, so that I yoke with them, then I can glean for the Lord, of course. Hallelujah, Shondai. There are things that we should be in agreement with, and there are things that we should not be in agreement with. You should not be in agreement with the world. You should not be in agreement with false doctrine. And by the way, that means you need to know what, what real true doctrine is. And the third thing is, don't be in agreement with unbelievers, because it's going to cause you a lot of pain. And it's not the will of God. Continuing on, verse 16, 
Let me read it again. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For, what, for, you, for we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them, I will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Verse 17. Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be your father, a father to you. You will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You've got to be careful in relationships that are with unbelievers. Now, I have lots of them, and so you should. I'm just not yoked to them. And when I come in contact or when I spend time with unbelievers, guess what it's all about? I'm looking for my shot. I'm looking to put the crosshairs of my 4570 and the Holy Ghost on them so that I might get them saved. I'm not there for any other purpose but to love them, to be a display of God's grace to them, to pray, to model what it is, to be a, to be a light in darkness to them. That is the reason I'm in a relationship with an unbeliever, period. If you're in a relationship with an unbeliever for any other reason, then you have missed it. And what can happen is that you can be infected by them. Look, either you're affecting them or they're infecting you. Let's just say law for a second. Revelation 22. We'll get there in just a minute. You've got to be careful of your relationships not to be polluted. Turn to Ephesians 5. You can hold your finger in Revelation. We'll get there. Ephesians 5, verse 1. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity, greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, whoa, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure. Everybody say that. For this you can be sure. I think there's a couple people that didn't say it. Come on, one more time. For this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes to those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Everybody say, don't be unequally yoked. You've got to be in agreement with certain things, and you must not be in agreement with certain other things. Let's talk about what we should be in agreement with. We should be in agreement with God. Everybody say, God. We should be in agreement with God. Our Father in heaven, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants us to be in agreement with what's happening in heaven to affect the earth. He wants us to be in agreement with it. And when you walk in agreement with God, you'll be blessed. Turn to Matthew 7. I know you're holding one finger in Revelation 22. We'll get there. Hang on. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And then he will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. See, there's, there's, there's 
the Word of God, you've got to be in agreement with God's Word. You've got to be in agreement with God. And when you get in agreement with God, blessings are released, power is released. When they got in agreement in that upper room and they prayed, fire of heaven was released. You've got to be in agreement with your brothers and sisters. Oh, Revelation 22, I know you've been holding it. We better read it. Revelation 22, verse 14. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life. You've, you've got to be in agreement with God's word. How many of you want a blessed life? Okay, it doesn't... What? Six of you. How many of you want a blessed life? You want to be blessed? Hey, I want to be blessed. It doesn't just happen because you smiled. It doesn't just happen because God loves you. He loves you, but there's forces of darkness. There's the world system. There's, there's things that are vying for your attention. And if you yield to those and you, you don't submit to God, resist the devil, then he doesn't flee and you won't be blessed. There is a curse. Listen, I know believers that live under the curse. Oh, how can that be? They're believers. How can they live under the curse? Very simply, they don't live for God. In other words, they've received Him, but they, there was some thing they had on an altar, but they never worked out their salvation. They never renewed their mind. They never, they never got in agreement with, with the Word of God. I've, I've had people say, you know what? I tried that Christianity thing. didn't work for me. No, he didn't get discipled. Somebody didn't help him. For some reason, and I, and I understand that in families there's covenants and there's witchcrafts and different things like that, but God is bigger than all of that. He's bigger than all that. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to walk in truth. And you've got to be in agreement with the Word of God. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to be in agreement with God. The second thing that we see that we need to be in agreement with is we need to be in agreement with our brothers and sisters. Watch this, John 17. John 17 and verse 22, this is the longest prayer, and by the way, it's mostly, it's unanswered. See, like the only unanswered prayer that Jesus ever prayed. It's being answered though. John 17 verse 22, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and I have loved them even as you loved me. Literally what that is saying is that we need to be in in agreement with our brothers and sisters. It's more than a doctrinal thing. It's a heart issue. You need to love the body of Christ. You need to love the church. It's His church. In times past, not recently, but God is doing an amazing thing here in the valley, but in times past I've heard people talk about church. Don't you talk about God's church. Don't do it. There's no perfect church. Amen. And I know we've got visitors here today, and this is not the perfect church. And by the way, if you find it, don't go. Because if you go to the perfect church, you will ruin it. Because there's, we, all have, we all struggle with stuff, and, and, and we have to work it out together. Jesus made it clear that he wants us to be in agreement with our brothers and sisters. You need to to love each other. You don't don't have to let them trample over. You don't have to be a doormat. I'm not talking about that. There's boundaries, but you still need to love them. I'm going to sit on the other side of the church and praise God we're finally going to two services so I don't have to see that knucklehead again. Oh, God, is he even saved? You sit on the other side of the church and just hope like you don't cross paths at the narrow doorway. 
There he is. Oh, That's not how it should be. There needs to be love. There needs to be agreement. If you're all bent out of shape of your brother and sister, you need to like repent. Go try to make right. At least do your part. Live at peace with one another as far as it depends on you. Years ago, I was in Molokai, pastoring there, and we had, a, we had this family, it was a large family, I, and I think there was ten, ten kids, eight or ten kids, and, uh, you know, they came to church, and, and they really gave me a hard time, okay? I know none of you want to give a pastor a hard time, but I don't know what the deal was. They wanted to come to church, and they wanted to really give me a hard time, and, and they did, and and we just tried to work it through, and it was constant criticism, and kind of, why don't you do this, and why don't you do that, and, and I, I just tried to be gracious to them, and eat the meat, and spit out the bones, and, you know, they had some viable points, and I took those, but they just really, you know, just, one day they just said, you know something, we don't like the way that you pastor, and we don't ever want to come here again. I thought, okay, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, right? And so they walked out, and then I wept. They left. I cried and I thought, I'm a psychotic pastor. I remember calling Dr. Morocco. You'll love this. I said, Pastor, you know, that family we were praying for, they were causing strife, division, and really giving me a hard time. He says, yeah. I said, they left. He says, oh. Because we prayed, Lord, change them or cause them to leave. That's the, that's the way you pray in certain instances. So change them or may they leave. And so we prayed, and they left, and I'm weeping. I called Dr. Morocco, who's my mentor and, and our senior pastor. I called him. I said, Pastor, they left, and I'm, I'm weeping. He said, oh, Pastor Daniel, that's great. I thought, what? He said, yeah, you're a pastor. Praise God. I said, yeah, that's the, the pain of pastoring. I thought, wow. Anyway, they left. I got over my weeping. It was later that, later that week, the Lord spoke to me and said, Son, have you done everything that you can do to live at peace with them and bless them? And I thought, yeah, no. I want you to go to their house and I want you to bless them. You bring them some gift, you bless them and thank God for the time they were with you. Didn't they help you? I'm thinking, no. And then I think, yeah, they had a couple of good ideas that helped us. And You know, I didn't want to do that. We don't like doing stuff like that. It's called humbling yourself. So I got together a gift, and I went over there. My wife was praying. I went to the house. I knocked on the door. They let me in. I gave them the gift, and with tears, I thanked them for, for being a part of the church, and I blessed them. And they said, you know, Pastor, we knew you were going to come and repent. I thought, that's awesome. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I just wanted to go, yeah, now it's your turn. <laughs> we knew you were going to come and repent. I go, that's wonderful. Praise God. <laughs> I was getting humbled. And you know what? They came back to church. And I didn't know whether to shout or, or like, get depressed. They came back to church. And you know what happened? God touched them. God touched me. He showed me how I was arrogant. And I had, I had certain things in my heart that really ran against the culture of, of, of the people of Hawaii. He showed me what a... I don't know how else to say it. You have to be from Hawaii or know the culture to, to understand what I'm about. He showed me what a howly I was. It's like a... I don't know how to say it. Uh, somebody that's just super Californian. You know what I mean? They're just oblivious to cultural milieus and, and sensitivity to people. I, I was like that. And I thought, I, 
gosh, I'm being dealt with. And a lot of the stuff that was happening was because of my rotten attitude in my own heart. I smell conviction in here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. You've got you, you to walk in agreement with your brothers and sisters. They're different than you. Yes. Celebrate their differences. Come on. Look around. You can see what I'm seeing. I'm seeing every color of every race all up in here. You know that's amazing? I've been in churches that are all white. Oh, yeah. I can't stand it. I've been to all black churches. The only white guy. Well, maybe there's a couple others. We're, you look around. Go ahead and look around right now. It is a phenomena what God is doing here. It is a multi, multicultural move of the Spirit of God. If you don't like somebody else's face, you don't like the color of their skin, come here. You don't like black people. You will hate heaven. Amen. That's right. You will have no revival. You don't like Jewish people. You need to adjust yourself. You Jewish too? Huh? I don't know. <laughs> Come on, everybody, say you get. You got to love everybody. You got to love your brother and sister. Amen. It doesn't mean you let them run over you, but you've got to be in agreement. You have to have boundaries, right? All right. Got to be in agreement. Look at C, our spouse. Did you say grouse? No, I said spouse. You gotta, you gotta be in agreement with your husband. You gotta be in agreement with your wife. If you're, if you're not married, some people are like praying for the, praying that the rapture holds up so they can get married. Hallelujah. Lord, don't just come yet. I want to get married. If you're not married, you know, or, you know, maybe God's called you to to be live a life of celibacy. If you'd like that gift, I can pray for you right now. Just stand up on your feet. You'd like the gift of celibacy? We can pray for you. The rest of your life. First of all, there's really only two states. There's there's marriage and there's celibacy. Single and celibate. Everybody said Amen. If you'd like to be celibate the rest of your life, we can pray for you. That's a gift that God gives. I'm not kind of joking, but it is a gift. The Apostle Paul had that gift. And, I, and, and the truth is, some people have it for a lifetime. Others, they get married in their latter years. Pastor Ann Fuji has lived single before the Lord all her life. She's our senior associate. She's one of the greatest women of God I know. Her whole life is dedicated to serving God. Day or night. Night and day, she pours her life out for people and for the Lord. And it's a beautiful thing. You can't do that if you're married. You could do it together. But you need to be in agreement with your spouse. Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, the man said, Whoa, this is now bone of my bones. It's really how he said it. We've gone through that before. This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, and she should be called woman. She was taken out of man. Adam looking at his wife for the first time. I mean, you read through this. And we read it. And the man said, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman. She was taken out of man. And for this reason, a man should leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And we just keep reading. When Adam saw his woman, he freaked. He thought, birds, cows, bees, everything, nice. 
Thank you, Jesus. That's how it was. That's, that's what that means. Whoa! Whoa! You are God! And it says that two shall become one flesh. Marriage itself is, is really oneness. And it's the mystery of Christ in the church. I don't have time to preach on that. And Israel, I might add. Marriage, you, you, you've got to be in agreement in, in, your, in your marriage. Oh, hallelujah. All right, let's look at our text here. Why is agreement so important for, for us? Why is agreement so important? Psalm 133, verse 3. It says, for there he commands a blessing. There's power in agreement. And when you get in agreement with your brothers, with your sisters, when you get in agreement with God, when you get in agreement with your spouse, when you get in agreement for the kingdom of heaven, then heaven is released. Everyone here wants to live a blessed life. Without agreement, you will not have it. You will not walk in blessing without agreement. Unity brings God's blessing and life. Go ahead, write it in your notes. Unity brings God's blessing and life. Matthew 18, verse 19. Again, I tell you, if two of you agree, do what? Agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for your Father in heaven. There is, there is power in, in agreement. There's power in prayer. Unity is the key to answered prayer. Everybody say it. Unity is the key to answered prayer. I was with my family and doing a Bible study. We're reading through uh, the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice as a family. And we're reading through the book of Acts, and we read through Acts 1, and we came to that place where it says, uh, Peter said, well, Judas basically is dead. We need somebody to replace him according to the Psalms, so we have to choose somebody. So they select two guys, Matthias and Justice, and they select them, and they say, let's cast lots. And my kids are all, what's lots? I said, well, just, just hold on a second. And so we, we read through, they cast lots, and the lot fell too. Matthias, very good. They fell to Matthias, and they chose Matthias, and he took the place of Judas, and the twelve went on. There was some, there was some criteria for becoming chosen. They had to be with the, at the baptism of Jesus, and the whole time through his miracle ministry for three and a half years, his death, his resurrection, the whole thing. So Matthias qualified, so did Justice. They cast lots. Lots would be like two stones with their names written on it, if you will. And, and they would put it in a, a cup or something, and they would toss it out. And the first one, for instance, the first one that would come out, that would be the one that the Lord had chosen. They would ask God, which one is it? And it was like rolling dice. Except they would ask God, let it roll to the, the guy that's supposed to be in this position. And so Matthias' name came out, and they chose Matthias. And my kid said, why'd they do that? We don't do that. I said, that's right. Good point. In fact, that particular point in Scripture is the last time that lots are cast. You'll see lots cast in the Old Testament, that, and, and this is really the last time. We went ahead and read Acts 2 because I wanted to explain to them why we don't cast lots anymore. My daughter, being quick and knowing the Word a little bit, had the answer, oh, it's because we have the Holy Spirit now. I said, that's exactly right. And so we talked about the outpouring of the Spirit of God when the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were there gathered together in one accord. The word one accord is homothomadon. How many of you like homogenized milk? Want to hear a funny story? I've told it before, but it just makes me laugh. 
we were going to homogeneous groups. That means, you know, married couples all meeting together for small groups, single men just meeting together, single women meeting together. And they found that statistically that they grow better when there's homogeneous groups, okay? And so we, we tried that for a season. And so I remember we were, it was, the vision was being cast for homogeneous small groups. And this guy says, uh, Pastor. I said, yeah. He says, bro, I'm, I'm not a homo and I'm not a genius, so I don't even know what you're talking about, bro. <laughs> Granted, we all laughed. How many of you know what homogenized milk is? Okay, the word, the word one accord is, it, it's the word homo or meaning one genus. It, uh, I'm, pardon me, homothomodon is the word. Thank you. And I'm probably mispronouncing it, but you can look it up in your concordance and look it up in, in the Greek. Homothomodon, thomo, or tho, it comes from heat or violence. A violent unity, a violent oneness. So I explain this to my kids. It was, it's, when they were in the upper room, it wasn't them just one person praying and somebody else thinking about, snap, i got to do my whole driveway is filled with snow. I wish Pastor would hurry up because I'm hungry. Then i got to get out of my snowblower. No, it wasn't that. It was a violent unity. You see, if God didn't come and answer their heart's cry and fulfill what he said to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, they were doomed. They figured they're all going to be crucified. They're in this room terrified, wondering what's going to happen. Their fearless leader's gone. God, you said to wait. Now we're waiting. Oh, God, send the promise. That's all we got to go on. That's how they were praying. Their life was on the line. And you know the rest. The outpouring of the Spirit took place. I told my kids about this. And I said, you know what we're going to do right now? We're going to do one accord. And I explained to them on a piano about it. Would you jump on the piano for me? Some of you need to get this. How many of you want to have a breakthrough in this time of fasting or breakthrough in 2012? If you can listen to what I say to you in just the closing moments of our service right now, it will change your life. You will release the dunamis power of God in your life, in the community, in the church. But you've got to get what I'm about to tell you. There is power in agreement. And many of you don't have the breakthrough, don't have the release, don't have the fire, don't have the miracles because you're not really in agreement. Play for me, if you will, just one chord. It's three notes. Play it again. All together. You can't really discern the different notes together. It makes a chord. There's places in Scripture where they use the word symphonio. It's You know what a symphony is? It's lots of instruments playing together and really making one sound. That's one sound. That's not three different notes. It's, it's three different notes becoming one. When they were in the upper room and they prayed, they were in one accord. And then the fire fell. In my home, in my home, I taught my kids about this and they were like, let's do it. I thought, awesome. What are we going to pray for? Hannah says, we're going to pray for our house. We're believing for a house. God's providing. Amen. We're going to pray for a house, pray for our land. All right, good. How many of you, and we went through, now it's got to be in agreement with the Word of God, right? All right, is it God's will for you to have a house? How many of you think God wants you to sleep in a snowbank? No. 
He wants you to have a house. Houses we didn't build, vineyards we didn't plant. It is God's will for you to have a house. Okay. I believe it's God's will for you to own one. If he's given, especially if he's given you the desire. No sense paying somebody else's mortgage. And all the investors said, not one above your means. But I mean, it can be a good investment, right? Good time to buy right now, by the way. And so Hannah said that, and we said, well, that's a great thing to pray for. So we all proved from Scripture why it was the will of God that he would give us a house. And there's lots of Scriptures. So we all agreed. Danny agreed. I agreed. My wife agreed. We got together. I said, okay, we're going to pray in one accord for that. And then Danny messed me up. I said, wait, wait, Dad. I said, yeah. He said, I think we should pray for your daughters. I said, oh, no. Yeah, we should. I just, we're going to get to that this week. I just felt like we, it, was a, it was a great prayer request from my, my nine-year-old son. I've got two daughters that I'm estranged from. God's going, to renew, God's going to heal that. Amen. How many of you have some kids that are astray? How many of you got some kids that are astray? Yeah. Oh, John, you're not astray anymore. Bro. John, God has done a great thing for you, hasn't he? God gave you your kids back. You're going to see him, right? Haven't seen him in five years, right? Something like that. It's because you got in one accord with God. It's God's will that in the last days, he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. It is the will of God for your family to be reunited. It is the will of God for your family to serve him fully together. It is God's will. So when you have somebody who's not serving God or not home, not, not in that agreement. You can pray in agreement. I will release the power of God. I'm going to tell you the power of God is being released even now on families, even on my own children right now. God, bring them back. Bring them back in Jesus' name. Break every cord. So we just came in agreement with a house. We prayed in our understanding. The Apostle Paul said, pray with your understanding, but I will pray in the Spirit. So we prayed with our understanding. Then my kids are all full of the Spirit of God. Nine-year-old, my nine-year-old prays in tongues. My 12-year-old prays in tongues. My wife's been filled with the Holy Ghost. And and I think I've been filled also. So together we came and we began to pray in the Spirit. And when we prayed in the Spirit, all I can tell you is I just heard this high-five in heaven. Come on, it was like we started praying, I just heard this. I thought, whoa, what was that? It was the power of agreement. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Unity is the key to answered prayer. Many of you don't have the breakthrough because you're not in unity. Now, well, you say, well, it's just me and my family. I've got great news for you. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost come in agreement with Him. Come in agreement with God, come in agreement with His Word, and you're a majority. Everybody say, I'm a majority with God. That's right. That's why one person can bring the, bring the agreement and the power, the releasing thereof, to touch and change a whole family. We're almost done. Unity brings praise to God, Romans 15, 7. How to live in agreement as I bring this message to a conclusion. The first thing is you've got to deal with your own attitude. 
Like God dealt with mine. I had to go repent. And they're like, we knew you had to come to repent. I had to deal with my attitude right at that moment. Like, what? Oh, yeah, Jesus, help me. Philippians 2 reads, If you have any encouragement of being united with Christ, if any comfort in His love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You've got to have, the, have Christ's attitude. You've got to humble yourself. It's never the wrong thing to go low. Ever. It's painful. It's difficult. But it attracts the favor of God, the blessing of God. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. I'm moving quickly. Do nothing just for desire of success. Or for useless self-importance. Vain conceit. We're on two. Three, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Don't talk stink about people. Stop. That's a, that's a Hawaiian term. Right. You gave me stink eye. That's when you're like... Talking stink is talking bad about people. Don't talk bad about people. Don't be on the devil's wrecking crew. Be on God's building crew. Let your words let become an oracle of God. See how many precious things you can say about somebody. Build them up. Anybody can tear anybody down. That's easy. Say good things. Say good things about your church. Say good things about your spouse. Anybody can talk about how they didn't do this or they didn't do that. Well, I wish. Arguing, complaining, murmuring, releasing, really, according to 2 Corinthians 10. When you murmur and complain, you can release a destroying angel. And some of you have the destroyer released on your life because you murmur and complain. What has God done for you? My God, think about what He's done. He saved you. He healed you. He set you free. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We don't have any right to murmur and complain. Just start thanking Him and the mountains will become molehills and the kingdom of God will be released. Get in agreement with the Word. Can you say amen? Get in agreement with God. Don't be in agreement with the world. Don't be in agreement with unbelievers. Don't walk with unbelievers in unity and business. Don't marry an unbeliever. Are you brain damaged for the love of God? Oh, they'll get saved. I could interview 50 people to tell you, yeah, they might. 30 years of hell first. Oh, yeah. And I won't have you raise your hand. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you were called to the mission field, but you married an unbeliever because he was so fine or she was so fine or whatever the case may be. And then your mission field becomes your house. And instead of going and following the call of God, you have a new call, which is serve and love and praise God for His mercy. Until that person like gets saved, you're working things out and there's constant strife because you want to tithe and they don't. You want to give, you want to take missions, he wants to stay home or she wants to stay home. Oh, Jesus. Look at four, look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
Colossians 3, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. That's you and me. We're dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Got to look to the interests of other people. Talking about how to be in agreement. This is how you do it. We need a bigger dose of the love of God. I need more. I don't know about you. Jesus, help me. I need more. I need your love, Lord. Won't you fill me? Won't you fill me, Jesus? I need your love, Lord. I need your love. I need your love. I need your love. Don't leave us like this, oh God. If there's strife in your home, the answer is love. We need to be, as a church, be in agreement with the vision. We're believing for 120 churches in the next three and a half years. 20,000 people in attendance. We're believing for seven extensions here in Alaska alone. We have three, soon to be four. In the next three and a half years, I believe God can do that. We're going to start a school in the fall, next fall, King's School of Ministry, KSM. It's going to fuel the house of prayer, that's 24-hour prayer movement that we're doing, and it's going to release pastors and teachers and prophets. We're going to do it. I don't care if we have five students in the fall. I think we'll have more, but we're just going to start. God told us to do it. We're going to do it. you have teachers? No. <laughs> But we never had anything before we started it. We never had that. We never had a building. We never. You know, it's all. You get a step in faith. You get an agreement with what God wants to do, and then He does miracles. And if you go to a church, I mean, maybe you're visiting and you're from out of state or visiting from another church. Right? I won't tell you one of the things that really um, grieves the Lord, grieves the Holy Spirit, when people try to go to a church to change the church. Why don't you start your own church? See how see how that works if the Lord would lead you to do that. The point is, is that God gives vision to, to men and to women, and, and, and churches flow together in that vision. The vision of this house is not the vision of another house. And together we make the body of Christ. How many of you know He loves the Baptist? You don't know He loves the Baptist? Well, I'll tell you now, He does. He loves Baptists. How many of you know He loves the Presbyterians? Hey, hey. How many of you know He loves the church down the street? They're, they're, his, they're his body. His body. He's the head. We're His body. The bride of Christ. I know there's messed up churches and God knows we got our challenges. Hallelujah. You get in a church, get in agreement with the vision. If you're not in agreement with the vision, go find another one. Don't cause upset and strife. And we don't have, I, I, we don't have that happening here. I'm thankful. There's unity. There's grace. I'm thankful. It'll stay that way by God's grace as we all together pull in unity. Amen? We need to be in unity as a church and prayer. We need to walk in agreement in our marriage. In our marriages. Celebrate your differences. Wives, respect your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. That's what she's looking for. She's looking for you to love her. And until you do that, she can't give you the respect that you need. And that's how that is. You say, well, I, 
I don't know about that. No, no, think about that. Every time you get bent out of shape and get angry, it's because you felt disrespected, sir. You felt dishonored, and that's what chapped your hide, because that's the way God's wired us up. Ladies, you get bent out of shape because you're not feeling loved like you like you want it. Nurtured. Men, you gotta put your newspaper down, step away from the screen. Some of you text so much, it's like you got blisters from your touch phone. Step away from the screen. Look at your look your wife in the eyes and tell her how beautiful she is and how much you love her. Cultivate that. Buy her stuff. Give her money. I'm trying to help you. You say, Pastor, my children's church is upstairs. Pastor, my sex life just went out the window. I mean, I just don't really feel like I love my wife anymore. Go shut up. I fell out of love. There's no such thing. Love because love is not a feeling. They to fall out of it. Love is covenant. Love is love is not not some warm fuzzy. Praise God for the warm fuzzies. I mean, those are nice. Whoa, right? that's wonderful. But I'm going to tell you, in marriage, it's covenant. So act loving, and the feelings will return. Do things that are loving. Get up, make her coffee. Come on, men, give me an amen. Forget it. All right, ladies, give me an amen. See, see, guys, they know. Make her coffee. Make her breakfast. Buy her stuff. Give her cash. Want to see some agreement in your marriage? Hey! Whoa! Love your wife. Wives, respect your husband. you got to agree on mutual goals. I'm closing. And fourthly, agree on how you raise your children. Oh! I had to hit this because many a home is destroyed. Because there's no agreement between the husband and the wife on how to raise their kids. If you're not in agreement with a, with a system of training and instruction, and your house will be divided, your kids will rip you in half, and you will have a life of strife. Be in agreement. Some people were abused in their homes, so they don't want to they don't want to do any kind of we just want to love them. 15 years old, they steal your money and do drugs, and you just still want to love them. Love can be oftentimes hard. Love says no. You need to be in agreement in your marriage and in raising your kids. And the last thing is, you need to be in agreement in prayer. Come on, somebody stand up on your feet and say there's power in agreement. Come on, say there's power in agreement. Lift your hands and just ask God to help you with your attitude because that's really the biggest thing. We need to be more like Jesus that brings agreement. Come on. Come on, lift your hands to Jesus. Hey, Jesus. Lord, we repent for our wrong attitudes, thoughts. God, before you, we ask that you touch us and impart into us your love. We need more of your love. We want to die to self, pick up our cross daily and follow you. We want to not be in agreement with the world. We want to be in agreement with your word. We want to be in agreement with you. We don't want to be in agreement with our flesh. We're not going to be in agreement with false doctrine. We're not going to be in agreement with unbelievers. We will release the power of agreement through prayer, through fasting, through standing on your word. Lord, today, come and pour into us right now. Holy Spirit, 
Come on, let the Spirit of God touch you. Jesus, if your spouse is next to you and you've had strife, why don't you just turn and get right right now? if you're not right with God today. Don't wait another day. You might not have another one. The Scriptures declare today is a day of salvation. Today is a day. Don't play church. It's not a religious game. It's just not a game. There really is a devil who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Just for us who walk in agreement with the Word, He's toothless. And He has no power. But when you get in agreement with Him and believe His lies, He gets to have you. Jesus. Father, I pray. If there are those here this morning who are not right with you, that you would do a quick, short work right now and they would give their hearts to you in a very sincere and real way. Every head bowed, every eye closed, intercessors praying. If you're not right with God and you want to be made right with Him for the first time, or perhaps you gave your heart to Jesus in times past but you're not right with Him now, And you want to get right with God. You want to give your heart back to Jesus. Or thirdly, you just want to be assured of your salvation. The enemy lies to you. The devil lies to you. If you fit in any of those categories, in just a moment, I want you to just lift your hand and say, that's me. I'm going to give my heart back to the Lord. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, number one. Number two, you want to make a recommitment to Him. You're not living for Him now, but you used to. And you know you're not right with God. Or number three, you're just not sure and you want to be assured that your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. If that's you, fit in any of those categories on the count of three, I want you to slip your hand up. One, two, three. Do it right now all across this place. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. My goodness. God bless you. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you all the way in the back. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand right there, ma'am. God bless you. Now, we never want to embarrass anybody here, but there certainly is something about coming before God and saying yes and making a declaration before a people who love God. I'm going to live for Him. We never want to embarrass you, but in a moment, 
As soon as Minister Alex begins to sing, I want you to step out from where you're standing, whether you lifted your hands or not, and you come to the front. Because I have this theory that if you can't acknowledge God, acknowledge that you're going to live for God before people who, who love Him, it's going to be very hard for you to do it out there. And we need help. We need agreement. Amen? We want to help you. Come on. Come right now. Come right now. Give your heart to Jesus. It's a brand new day. It's a new start. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me new. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit.
every bondage go, every chain, every curse be broken. Depression go. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God. Awesome. We've got some people that are around you. If you just pause for just a moment, we've got some people around you. They're going to help you. They want to take some information to help you grow in God. Amen. Praise God. So just just hold up right where you're at. We're going to help you. Come on, just take a moment. Come on, rejoice. We just want to take a moment with you. We want to help you grow in God. Church, just rejoice. We're going to close here. Just a second. Very important moment. Take someone by the hand, won't you? Heavenly Father. Come on, just lock them up one more time. I know I went long. I figured I'd go for it since it was our last 10 o'clock service. 9 and 11 next Sunday. 9 and... One more time. 9 a.m. and... Hallelujah. Father, thank you for what you've done today. Ask God that you would bless your people, cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace in Jesus' holy name.